0: faces and just, I mean, I love, I love hearing what's going on in Cincinnati and and what God is doing um, at UC and in H2O Cincinnati. And so, and of course, I'm so happy that, you know, we've got some people from, from LT. We've got someone that flew in from Mexico to come. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, That's pretty cool. So anyway, listen, this weekend, uh, the theme, the theme of this weekend is all in, okay? This idea of, of being all in, okay? And, and, and I think it's appropriate for a retreat like this to have that kind of theme because really it, it is during these kinds of retreats, uh, these kinds of getaways that I've found, I found myself much more open to whatever it is that God wants to speak to me. There's something about leaving my normal life, my normal rhythms at home and coming to a place like this to focus on the Lord that I just think makes me more open to whatever it is that God wants to to teach me, whatever it is that God wants to say to me, if he wants me to learn something, to grow in something, I just feel like you taking a step to be here is so huge uh, in terms of just opening that door. To, to hear God's voice, and, and genuinely, I really believe that if you let him, God has something to say to you this weekend, okay? And so tonight, tonight is going to sort of set the stage for this theme that we're going to be talking with and engaging with uh, all weekend, this idea of going all in. So would you just pray with, with me um, before we dig in together? God, Lord, you are so, so good to us, Lord, and I, I just, I see your goodness um, really just in, in the people that are here that want to hear from you, God, that, that want to, to, to grow in you. And, and Lord, I just ask that you would speak. God, we want you to speak to us. We want, we want, to, we want to hear your voice. We want to, to hear from you. We want to grow in you. And God, I just ask that you'd be present here tonight. I ask that you'd be present, uh, even even as people are just spending time together afterwards this evening, And Lord, I just pray that you'd speak uh, tomorrow as well, during the sessions, during the free time, during all of it, God. We want to give this to you. God, you're so good to us. Thank you for being so good to us, being a good father to us, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen. All right, so, all in. That's our theme. What does that mean? (laughs) What does it mean to go all in? I I mean, that's a, a phrase that I feel like most people, they hear that and they probably uh, understand immediately what it means. And I have to assume that that phrase was coined in poker. Is that right? Does that sound feel right to you guys? Yeah? Okay, good. Uh, because that's what, what I'm going with tonight. And um, in poker, uh, going all in means, means it means committing all of your assets, committing all your chips to try and win the game of poker, to try and win the pot of chips in the middle, right? That's what it means. When you go all in, that's kind of what you are desiring to do. You're, you're committing all of your assets, all your chips, to try and win the game, to try and win the pot of chips in the middle. And so there's this aspect of, of this 100% commitment to winning the pot, to winning the prize. And, and while not everything you know, about the poker analogy uh, completely lines up with our theme this weekend. The, those two things do, the the 100% commitment and the prize. And so so in poker, when you're all in, you're all in on, on winning the pot, you're all in on winning the prize. And tonight, what we're talking about, what we're, what we're going to dive into to sort of set the stage for this weekend is that Jesus is all in on you. Jesus is all in on you. And... Uh, and he's made that so clear. So, so clear. Okay? And so, let's talk. We're going to talk a little bit first about the pot. Okay? We're going to talk about the pot. Right? This is, this is what Jesus desires to win. The prize. The pot. And what we're talking about here is, really, we're t- you. We're talking about you. And we're talking about the pot, what Jesus desires to win, that's you. And, and I'm just, I'm going to lead actually with, uh, with some bad news about this pot that Jesus so desires because it, it is not like the typical pot and poker where it's maybe completely obvious to everyone that's playing that the prize pool is desirable, right? And to be honest, when we take a close look at the prize, it leaves a little bit to be desired. Might even be a little bit perplexing, like why? Why is it that Jesus wants this so much? Okay, so let's take a look at some scripture. We're going to be in Romans five tonight. If you ha- if you have a Bible, I would love for you to to open it up there. Um, this is kind of where we're camping out for the night. This is primarily where we're going to be. It's Romans five. Okay, Romans five. Verses 6 through 10. If you've got a Bible, great. Of course, we have it on the screen for you. If you don't, all right. This is what it says. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. And, and, and really, what I want to touch on here uh, for a little bit is how the Bible describes us apart from Jesus. You might have noticed I underlined some things here uh, on, on this text. The, the first thing is it says that apart from Jesus, we're ungodly. It says that apart from Jesus, we're sinners. And then even in verse, eight, or in verse 10, it describes us as enemies of God. That, that is our state apart from Jesus. Elsewhere in the scriptures, it says things like this. Uh, in Ephesians 2.1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Right? This, he's talking to people that are Christians now, but he's saying that like before that, you were spiritually dead. You're dead in your transgressions and sins. So we've got ungodly, sinners, enemies of God, dead, Galatians 3.10 says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So it's this this idea like anyone that is not able to keep God's moral law, how it describes us, apart from Jesus, is that we're cursed. Okay, so ungodly sinners... Enemies of God, dead, cursed. What else? John 8, 42 through 44. Jesus said to them, "'If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil.'" And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, I mean, he literally says something. I mean, this just sounds offensive, right? You belong to your father, the devil. And I could go on and on about the kinds of language that the Bible uses to describe us apart from Jesus. And I'll just be honest it doesn't look good for us. We're looking, at, we're looking at the pot, we're looking at the prize that Jesus is after, and I'm just saying, it is not looking good. I mean, you know how, you know how when you go on a, on a first date, um, <laughs> you know how when you go on a first date and, and you sort of, you put on, you know, you put on the clothes that are maybe the most flattering, right? And, and you clean up real nice. You, you make sure that you don't smell bad or anything like that, right? To go on this date. And why? Why do you do that? Well, you do that to make a good impression on the person that you're going on a date with, right? Um, that you, you really want them to see the best side of you, right? That's the idea. And honestly, man, from from what I'm reading here, it's like, golly, it's like you, we we took a bath in some wet sewage before we showed up to impress God, right? Like, it's really bad. It's really, really unimpressive. And even less than unimpressive. It's like, it gives kind of a negative impression, I would say. And that's putting it lightly, right? Like, that's, that's a little bit gentle compared to what we just read. Again, some of the words that use that are used to describe us apart from Christ, ungodly, sinners, enemies of God, dead in your sin, cursed, belongs to your father, the devil. This is not good. <laughs> this is not what you want to hear. And, and and I think that there is a bit of a disconnect. There's a, there's a disconnect between this reality and our view of ourselves a lot of the time. I mean, most people upon hearing that, upon Upon hearing' like, okay, apart from God, apart from Jesus, I'm a sinner, ungodly, I'm an enemy of God, dead in my sins. They have kind of a reaction to that that's like, I don't know, man, like, because we would like to think that we're basically good people. We would really like to think that that then when compared to some of the maybe the truly evil people in our world, we're doing pretty good. And that surely God will be pleased with our lives because we didn't turn out as bad as some other person that ended up being like a serial killer or something really extreme like that. I mean, you know, I know some of you have experienced this too. Like, I have spiritual conversations with people a lot. I've had a lot of those recently. And, um, you know, one of the questions I like to ask people is if they think that they're going to heaven. Right? What do you think? You think you're going to make it into heaven? And, Honestly, like the most common answer, far and away, I think so. And if I ask why, their typical response boils down to, like, well, like, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I feel like I'm a pretty good person. I feel like I'm a pretty good person. And, and this kind of idea, it really permeates our culture. It permeates... Uh, that hu- the human beings as a whole I feel like there's just this fundamental disconnect between you know what we're reading here in the Bible and what we tend to think about ourselves and let's, let's say I mean let's say you're past that right let's say you've given your life to Jesus you get it you, you were an enemy of God you know that you no longer are you understand like yeah I was dead in my sins I get it I get it but it's also, it's pretty common even for Christians to, to, to really feel like, I mean, to, to even maybe beat up on themselves when they fall back into their old ways, right? when they fall back into the sins of their past. And, and, and really that's often under the mindset that like, yeah, I, I get it. Jesus saved me from my sin and from the wrath of God, but that was in the past. And now it's my responsibility to sort of keep my salvation, Right? Like, you couldn't get your act together before, but now you've got a mulligan. Right? You get a second chance because Jesus died for you. Right? Jesus saved you, but now this is your second chance to get together, to live a good moral life. Right? And, and I just need you to hear, like, if that's you, that's not possible. <laughs> you are not able to live up to God's perfection standard. So let's go back. Let's go back to the the scripture we started with. Romans 5, 7 through 8. I'm I'm going to reread just just this part of of our main passage. 7 through 8. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so look at this. I mean, look. Jesus didn't die for you because you were a good, righteous person. Okay? He didn't die for you because you deserved it. He didn't die for you because you thought, ah, maybe they're not great now, but someday they'll be good enough. I mean, what we're seeing here is that Jesus, he's he's all in on you. Despite your past and any ways that you've made yourself an enemy of him, right, despite anything in your past that you've done, to sin against God, despite that, despite whatever evil you still struggle with presently and despite whatever you're going to struggle with tomorrow, next week, next year, He is all in on you despite your past, present, and future. And you know how I know? You know how I know that? Because he was never all in on you because of how good of a person you were. He was never all in on you because of how good of a person you were. Okay? That's what this tells us so there's there's this um there's this guy uh, in our church um he's not here tonight but he he uh he just gave his life to Christ like really recently really exciting yeah 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 we're, we're really excited about that and um and so man this is so beautiful I, we were taking communion as for the first time as a church this year and uh you know, and uh, Aaron, one of our staff members, was kind of explaining what communion is and stuff like that, and, um, and so people go up to start to take communion, and and, uh, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, he, he kind of pulls me aside, and he's like, what he asked me was, um, and I wasn't sure what he was gonna ask me, but you know, I knew that he was really unfamiliar with, with all of this, and he just said, what if I don't feel worthy? And man, I like, oh, I like lit up, man, because it was just like, dude, yes, like you get it. (laughs) Same, man. (laughs) Me too. Like he gets it. None of us is worthy. Jesus didn't die for us because we're worthy. He didn't die for us because we're basically good. He didn't die for us because someday we would get it together. And when you look, we're talking about this, this idea of going all in, right? And Jesus is all in on you. And when you look at the pot, when you look at the reward, the winnings that Jesus is after, it's us and it's really not that impressive. It is really not that imp- I'm so sorry to break the news to you. It is really not that impressive. And yet, and yet, despite all of this, despite how unimpressive we are, As his prize, the Bible makes it crystal clear that Jesus is all in. He is all in on you. So before we move on, one thing: what we're going to talk about next is is the cost, right? We we we'll touch a little bit on why Jesus is all in on you. But but first, how how do I know that what I'm saying is true? How do I know that Jesus is all in on you? Because in poker, when you go all in, right, you, you, you push your chips to the center of the table. That's what you do, right? This is this kind of initiative action that, that signifies to everyone that's playing the game that you're all in, right? And there's this cost that comes with that because to go all in, you have to commit. You've got to commit all of your chips, right? Right? And so in poker, you know, this is what that looks like. But for, for Jesus, what is his initiative action? What is it that he does to show us that he's all in? Well, our scripture this evening makes that super clear. What does it say? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the initiative action, right? Jesus, he, he, looked, he looked at the prize pool in all its unworthiness, And decided that he was going to push his chips to the center of the table by doing what? By, he lived a righteous life like we never could. And then he died on the cross like we all deserved. Okay, that was was him doing this. That was him initiating. I mean, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Okay? The wages of sin is death. What that means is, and this applies to all of us, like, There's not a person here that hasn't sinned, right? He says the wages of sin is death. That's what it says in the Bible. And what that means is that we are owed death for our sin. For our sin against God. But Jesus stood in our place and took the penalty we deserved on the cross. That was him pushing his chips in. He's all in on you. Listen to this. I love this. This fits right into what we're talking about tonight. Hebrews 12, verse 2. It's the end of verse two. It says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so just, just think about that for a second. I mean, just take a moment to, to, to really ponder what we just read. Jesus, the son of God, the God in the flesh, the God of the same God that created this world and everything in it, the universe, the stars, everything. That God looked, looked at, at that prize. That pot. Looked at you. He looked at you and all your unworthiness and all your sin and shame. And he consciously made the choice to stand in your place, to receive the wrath that you are owed. Why? What does it say? For the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. Jesus took on physical torture and the wrath of God. Why? For the joy set before him. That's you. <laughs> Do you understand that? That's literally you. God so wanted you that he went to the cross. He so wanted a relationship with you. He wanted to know you. He wanted to walk with you. He wanted you to be a part of his family. He wanted you to be a child of God. He wanted you to have spiritual life, no longer to be dead in your sin. Like, we, like Jesus, he says in John 10.10, 10, he says, the thief comes to kill and destroy, but I came, why? So that they may have life and have it abundantly. He took on the cross so that you could have that life. Could, could know him and be raised to life. But you being with God in his family here on earth and, and being with God forever in heaven, that's, that is the joy set before him. That's what Jesus has so desired. That's the pot, the prize. And he pushed his chips to the center of the table for that joy, to to purchase you and and everything that you are, and, and everything that you're not. He he died on the cross in your place, and then and then he did something miraculous. You know how um, you know how in like the movies uh, or in like TV shows, and you know if people are playing poker every once in a while, you see someone go all in. And kind of as this, like, uh, uh, I don't know, it's this really grandiose gesture that sometimes, in addition to their chips, they'll they'll, they'll drop something else in there, right? And sometimes that's like, oh, maybe that's their, if they have an especially expensive wedding ring that's really diamond studded, they might drop their ring in there. Or, Or if they have, like, Uh, their car keys on them and they've got a really nice car, they'll drop their car keys in the middle of the pot or their house keys or something something really grandiose like that, right? In a way, the resurrection is just like that. If you weren't sure that Jesus was committed to you by his dying on the cross, right? If you weren't sure he was committed to you all in on you just by his death, he literally resurrected from the grave to prove to you that everything he was saying is true. That he is who he says he is. That he's the son of God. That he, that he comes bearing the truth. And, and that the payment on the cross went through. That, that what he did on the cross can be trusted. And how do we know it can be trusted? Because he resurrected from the dead to prove that he is king over death. All of this, all of this, to show you that he's all in. He's committing everything. And for what? For you. Even though this week you've maybe done things that you regret, even though this week you failed to love God for who he is, despite all of that, despite everything in your past, all the things that you struggle with in your present, and whatever you're going to struggle with in the future, you're his prize. You're his price. So, how do we respond? How do we respond? Because this kind of act from God demands a response. We've done nothing to deserve it, right? We made that clear. But God, in his goodness and great love for us, went, went all in to bring us into the fold, to bring us into his family. He went to great lengths to do it. He sent his perfect son to become a human, live a perfect life for us, and then take the punishment we deserve. And then defeated death by rising from the dead. So what do we do with this? How do we respond? Well, if you're here, you're in one of two categories. You're either someone who is a friend of God, right? Someone who's already a part of God's family, or you're someone who could be. you You either already know God, you're already a part of his family, you already have a relationship with him, or you could. What I mean by that is this. In order to receive the gift of salvation from Jesus, you have to respond. The Bible is very clear about this, and fortunately, it's very clear about how we respond. How we have to respond. Romans 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so, if you have by faith trusted Jesus already, like you trust in his perfect life and not in your own, you trust in his sacrifice for you in order to make you right before God again, if you've made him your Lord and Savior and you've surrendered your life to him, you're already a friend of his. You're already in his family. You've already received the gift that he has offered. And then on the other side, if you haven't, that offer is available to you. Jesus is, is all in on you because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you, but he's not going to force that on you. You have to, by conscious choice, accept the gift of grace that comes from the cross. So that's the first response, right? Become a friend of God if you aren't already. That's nothing else that I say will matter if you don't get that. Become a friend of God if you aren't already. Here's the second thing that you can do with this. You enjoy him. (laughs) You enjoy him in love and thankfulness. Uh, Psalm 16 says this, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This, this should be your first response to this truth that we're talking about. Right? Jesus, He loves us. He loves us despite everything that we've done. And what can we do but love him back? I mean, how else are we supposed to respond but but thank him? What else can we do but just enjoy Him and seek to enjoy His presence like it says here in Psalm 16? Guys, like, listen, God wants you to enjoy Him. He wants you to enjoy Him. There's so much in the Bible about our joy. It's crazy. We, we, we just preached on this at our church last week. We talked about joy. And as I was just surveying this, it's like, man, it is wild how much God cares about your joy. <laughs> Like he, he wants you to enjoy him. And again, that, that, that joy, it's directly linked to God. It's directly linked to your relationship with him. We don't have joy apart from him. And, and, and God is literally glorified by your enjoyment of him. He's literally glorified by how well you enjoy him. We ought to, we ought to meditate on these realities that, that, that Jesus is all in us. He's, he's loved us despite everything that we are, despite everything that we're not. We ought to meditate on that. We ought to allow that to stir up our affection for him. Uh, allow that to, to cultivate in us great joy and love and thankfulness towards him. That's the second thing. So, so become a friend of God if you aren't already. Enjoy him and love and thankfulness. And the third thing is this. You, you go all in for him. You go all in for him. Second Corinthians 5.15 says this. I love this. This fits right in. And he died for all. It's talking about Jesus. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised for, from the, again. And, and, and this is also part of the right response. Like we, we love God because he first loved us, right? Because he committed to us and, and he went all in for us. And as a result, we want to do whatever we can to love him right back. And the result of that desire, that desire to love Jesus is no longer living for ourselves. But we live for him. We give our lives over to him. Jesus went all in for us and we go all in right back to love him. We go all in right back. We do this to love him right back. We say, God, you can have it. You can have my life. You you bought it and I want to live for you. And we'll fail at this. (laughs) We'll fail at this over and over and over again. But fortunately for us, as we've discovered tonight, we have never been saved by our ability to please God. We've never been saved by that. It's always been Christ's work. (laughs) And praise God for that. That is so good for us. And so we seek to make him king over all our lives. We allow him to reign over really wherever he pleases in our lives. We let him be king. We seek to let him own our lives as a thank you for how he saved us, as a thank you for how he's loved us, and as a thank you for how he's gone all in for us. We go all in right back. And so that's what I've got for you guys tonight. Let's pray and let's, let's worship together. Jesus, God, thank you for this. Thank you so much, Lord. We don't deserve you. There's nothing about us that, that has been proven to that, that we deserve your love and, and, and we deserve the things that you've given us, God. Thank you that you, you, you've gone all in for us despite us, despite ourselves. Lord, thank you that your love is so much greater than our sin. Is so much greater than our shortcomings, our failures. God, thank you for being a good father to us. Lord, we don't deserve it, and we give you all the praise, all the worship, Lord. God, help us to take joy in you, to enjoy you. Help us to, to give all of our lives away for you. God, just like you gave your life away for us. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. As can stand it wish